face-to-face encounters, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, these encounters that people had with Jesus. As I've said before, so I say now. These things are recorded in Scripture not simply as a, as a point of reference, a historic event, but rather it is so that we can look at this and say, Lord Jesus, what you did then, do now. What you accomplished in that person's life, please accomplish in my life. I have to tell you this morning that in all of these messages, this is the ninth in this series of face-to-face encounters that people had with Jesus. The more that I studied this and the more that I got into it, the more I believe that this is perhaps the most important one or it's the one that speaks to me the most up to this point of any of these other messages. They've all been good. You can access them if you haven't heard or seen some of the others. You can access them on the website, but But this really spoke to me, and it's for every person here this morning. And so before we read from Scripture, would you just bow your heads with me one more time? Lord Jesus, I I pray as I've prayed leading up to this time that hearts would be open and receptive to all that you have for us today. In this story that may be familiar to many, I pray that you would bring a a, a fresh understanding of what was happening there that day so that we might believe that what happened then happens now and will happen to me. Lord, I pray this for every person listening today. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This face-to-face encounter begins here in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, with a place, a place. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. These are two regions. Verse 12 tells us about 10 people. So you've got a place, now you've got a people. It says, and as Jesus entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. Let me just pause there for a moment. He was, <laughs> a kid came up to me once after the service I was preaching on one of these reference where it talks about persons with leprosy, and, I, and he says, how can a person become a leopard? <laughs> you know, the cat with spots on it. And I know it's different, so just please clarify here. Jesus, <laughs> I don't know if leper, leopards are there, were there in that time, but this is lepers, L-E-P-E-R-S. Jesus was met by 10 lepers. Now, Jesus had had other encounters with persons with leprosy, and he had healed them. In fact, a few weeks ago, there was that occasion where a person comes up to Jesus, and Jesus reached down and touched him. Maybe some of you remember that. So, so a person with leprosy before Jesus is not unprecedented. It happened with others. Leprosy, just let me explain here. Leprosy was and is a bacterial infection that damages uh, nerves and lungs and skin and eyes. Those four things particularly. So you can imagine how horrible of a disease. It damages nerves, the nerves within the skin. It damages nerves, it damages lungs, it damages skin, and it damages eyes. It's not a painful disease. 
Again, because nerves are damaged, though I've read about this, that leprosy in its initial stages can be rather uh, painful in time. It's not painful because nothing is felt. Because it damages nerves, it deadens the ability to feel pain, in fact, to feel anything. But it was among the most feared diseases of its time. In fact, leprosy is still uh, around today, particularly in the nation of India. But there are, uh, I I read, uh, between like 150 and 250 people who contract leprosy in the United States still today. So it's still around. Well, so this, this devastating, destructive disease because that it was so feared and because it was so dreadful, uh, persons with leprosy were rejected by society. They were forced, they had no choice, they were forced to live on the fringes of communities away from other people. They had no choice. If you, if you were found to be with leprosy, you were forcibly removed from your home, from your family, from your community, into these communities set apart for persons with leprosy away from other people. That's why it says here that they were on the border between these two regions. They're on the border between, between Samaria and Galilee. They, 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 are, they, are, they are forced from Galilee, they're forced from Samaria, and they're in this kind of a no-man's land in between. Didn't matter if you were Samaritan or Jew, at this point they were united in suffering and, and rejection, and their identity was no longer Jew or Samaritan, but someone with leprosy. So it says here, we just read that Jesus came into this village, and 10 of these outcasts, verse 12 says, they stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Can you picture this in your minds? Ten people. They didn't do it in unison. They didn't rehearse this. But here's this, this, this clump of people. that No one else around them because they were rejected. And, and, and they have, this, they have this, this, this group of people and they're yelling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. Maybe they had heard how Jesus had healed others with the same disease. Maybe they had heard of Jesus' compassion. But it says here, and I want you to notice this, it says here, you see it before you, they stood at a distance. That's very important. They stood at a distance. I don't mean any kind of a political statement by this, but they were social distancing. The, the Bible does not record how far they were suppo- supposed to social distance, but ancient manuscripts outside the Bible said anywhere, uh, said approximately the minimum that they were supposed to be in contact with other people. This is not, you won't find this in the Bible, but other very old manuscripts from similar times uh, suggests that it was about 10 cubits, which is, is somewhere between 16 and 18 feet. 
<laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if in the markets it said, there's a little thing on the ground that says, you know, maintain 16 feet from lepers. I don't know if it said that. But, but this was the understanding. We don't know exactly how far they were from Jesus, but they were far enough away that they had to lift up their voices to be heard. I don't know what 16 feet, it would probably be about from me to Steve and Lisa Ty right here in the front, and it would probably be about that distance. So, Jesus, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. They're lifting up their voices. We'll come back to this, but I want you to see how they lifted up their voices for mercy, right? You got that? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 begins with this. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. I want you to notice here that Jesus did not touch them like other times that he healed people. And you'll see this often with Jesus. He would... He would, he, would, he would be very quick to reach out and touch someone, even touching a person who was dead. He would touch them who were also considered unclean. As I mentioned earlier, he had reached out and touched that, that other person with leprosy, something that you were not supposed to do. I mean, Jesus did not have 16-foot long arms, but they were so close, Jesus reached out and touched him. This was not something that was, uh, that was done, but, but it does not say here that he touched them. He simply saw them, he saw their need, he heard their request, and then he sent them to the priest to verify their healing. Now, the end of verse 14 is very short on words, but it's really big on drama. It reads this way, and as they went, they were cleansed. Just a few words. And as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, it, it doesn't say, and they were healed and they went their way, which, right, I mean, that would be fine too. It, it isn't that um, God met them there and they were transformed, they rejoiced, and then they went to the priest. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Why is this? They were not healed in that moment, but they were healed as they did what Jesus told them to do. It's very important. Because there are times when we cry out for mercy and we say, God, I need your help. I need your deliverance. I need, your, I need hope. I need strength. I need this. I need that. Please, Lord, give me the mercy that I need. Give me the answer that I require. Please, Lord, I, I ask of you. And, and sometimes, I, I'm, I'm telling you this, if you haven't experienced it already, there are times when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, then do this, and it's while you're doing that that you receive the answer that He has for you. Because what it does is, it makes a connection between obedience and a miracle, obedience and a miracle, and you will find this many, many times. Before Jesus multiplied that 
kids' sack lunch, right? Just a few loaves and fishes. You remember that story? Before the miracle happened, Jesus said, organize the people into groups of, I think it was 50. And and before the miracle came, the organization happened. Uh, On another occasion, Jesus, one of the most dramatic miracles that he performed was raising Lazarus from the dead. And and before they, before they, Lazarus came forth, uh, Jesus said, roll away the stone. So, so there's often, if, if you wouldn't have rolled away the stone, I doubt that there would have been a resurrection. If you wouldn't have organized people, I doubt that they would have been miraculously fed. And on this occasion, had they not gone their way, if they would have just stood there and just said, hey, heal us right now, I doubt, I think the story would be very different. In fact, I don't think the story would even be recorded. But the fact is, they did what Jesus told them to do, and in going, they were healed. There's a connection. There's a connection between the reception of the miracle and our obedience to what Jesus has given us to do. Now, again, use that wonderful imagination. They're, they're, they, they, they do, they, they look down, everything's the same, right? Missing toes, fingers, noses, stench of the skin. But they make their way to the priest, and I wonder... I wonder at what point, and I wonder how they realized that all of a sudden they were healed. Now remember, one result, one of the major results, oh, I wonder, this is my, there's uh, uh, killed nerves, there's no feeling. So I wonder, this is my imagination, maybe one of them felt the sun on his arm or on his forehead. Maybe... Maybe one of them, she, she felt a, a, a pebble under her foot, a foot that had not felt for a long time. Maybe, <laughs> I, this is an overactive imagination, maybe a, a, a fly landed on the cheek of someone and, and it tickled, and so they reached up and they scratched it with a finger that wasn't there just a moment before. <laughs> I don't know exactly how it happened, but all of a sudden, they were healed. And I'm thinking, one of them said, I mean, they turned to each other and they said, hey, I'm healed. And said, the other one said, I'm healed. Well, I'm healed too. And they started looking at each other and they go, hey man, you don't stink anymore. Hey, you know, hey, you, you got a nose now. I don't know how it was, but I know that it was powerful. It says, and as they made their way, they were healed. Within moments, it says, all of them knew that they were cleansed. All of them. Not one, not two, not six, not nine out of, all ten were cleansed. All ten were healed. Now, up to this point, it was a group of people, right? If we stop right here, it's always this collective group, this this group of ten. But verse 14 begins to focus Verse 15 begins to focus on just one person. It says this, Then one of them, when he saw, not them, but he, he, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. It says here, he turned back. Now, now the others who had been healed and were still healed continued on, but this man purposely changed direction. I mentioned earlier that this is kind of a familiar story, and I think we've gotten it wrong sometimes. 
because we think, oh, they were a bunch of ingrates. They weren't, they weren't thankful. I don't necessarily know about that because really, what were they doing? They were doing what Jesus told them to do. Jesus told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And so when they realized they were healed, they still, they continued on. But it says one of them, it was different. One of them turned back and he began praising God with a loud voice. He turned back and began praising God with a loud voice. Now, see, this is what's significant. This is why this is such a powerful text. He recognized that this was done by the power of God. Because you don't praise God unless you know that it was of God. They, they experienced this, but it wasn't that all of a sudden they just got better or that some anomaly, physical anomaly happened. He recognized that this was of God, and as he's making his way back to Jesus, he's praising God with a loud voice. He recognized that God had done this. Earlier, remember I, I mentioned earlier how, how they all raised their voice? They all yelled out. They, they raised their voice and said, Lord, they, they all raised their voice in requesting mercy, but now this guy raised his voice in praise to God. If you have a need, if you have something where where it doesn't matter what it is, and you're walking with Jesus Christ and you have a need, then you have the wonderful privilege because of relationship to go to God and to present your need and you can and you should raise your voice asking God for mercy. But when the answer comes, you better raise your voice in praise to God for what he's done. And I have been amazed sometimes at how diligently and fervently people will, will uh, lift up their voice in request, but when the answer comes, they fail to raise their voice in praise to the one who made it possible. We should do both. We should do both. If God has done something amazing in your, in your life, if he's done something remarkable, then praise him. I, I, let me give you a little insight on something. A lot of times when we come to a, a place of praise, either corporately or personally, I don't really feel like singing. Or praising. But I have learned not to give in to that feeling. Here's what I do. I simply start remembering what Jesus has done for me. I start recounting the ways in which he extended his mercy to me. And, I, and here's what happens. Within a very short time, my hands are up and I'm praising the Lord. And it doesn't come because it's something I'm expected to do, but because of what Jesus has done in my life, I can't help but just get excited about Jesus. We should. This, and, and it says here, this former leper didn't do it quietly. He praised God with a loud voice. He, I don't know what his temperament was, but there, I don't think, I just like, I just, 
I think he let everyone within half a block know, glory to God, I used to be a leper, now my spots are gone, (laughs) and I'm free. I got fingers, and I got hands, and I can lift them up, and I can feel the sun. I'm going to give him glory, and I'm going to let people know that God did this. Maybe he's saying something like, my sin, my sin, like something we sang this morning, my sin was great, but your love was greater. Yours is the name above all names. You're the God above all gods. And he raised up his voice. If you raise your voice in crying out for mercy, you better raise your voice in thanking him for what he's done. And by the way, you say, well, he hasn't done much for me. If he saved you, you can lift up your voice. Because you're no longer bound for hell, you're bound for heaven. Glory to God. Your sins have been forgiven. You're not given to that bondage anymore. He set you free. Glory to God. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm Norwegian, so I don't get excited. Or, You know, we're... We're German, and so we, I, I, I don't, I, he wasn't German, he was, he, but he, he was changed by Jesus. One time, I don't know, I'm going to stand, one time somebody says, would you talk to that person? Now, this is years ago. They, somebody, they, they were getting excited during praise, and they were, they were lifting up their voice, and somebody said, Pastor, you need to talk to that person. They're getting too excited. And I say, never. That's not the problem. What bothers me is people that God has transformed, and they're sitting there saying, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, somebody say amen. If you feel otherwise, you need to repent. All right, let's move forward. <laughs> Verse 16, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Oh, finally, we understand now. He's not a Jew. He's a Samaritan. (laughs) This was not so much a face-to-face encounter as much as a face-to-foot encounter. He's at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks, but he's close in. Please notice that. He's close in. He's technically disobeying the law. Right? The law said, if you've been cured from leprosy, by the way, there was no cure, but sometimes things could be misdiagnosed. If somebody had eczema, right? That's a disease as well. It's not leprosy, but it can look something like that. So if it, that's how they, they made provision of this to go and check it with the, the priest. Okay, well, that's obviously not leprosy, so you're good. He's technically disobeying the law. He's coming close in to someone. Just a short time before, he was a leper, and, and, and the priest has not confirmed it yet that he's no longer a leper, <clears throat> but he realizes he's no longer a leper, so he knows, I'm going to go and I'm going to get close into Jesus. He just wanted to be close to Jesus, to thank Him for what God had done. You know something? I have found that people who've been delivered from much are grateful for much. I have also found that people who are not grateful for much have not experienced much of Jesus. That's pretty strong. 
But if you're a person who is an ingrate, who is not given, then I wonder how much has Jesus really done in your life? And so if you find yourself not being able to praise God, then you need to experience Him face to face so that the next time you have the opportunity to praise Him, which is at any time, then you can, then you can do so because of what you realize what He's done in your life. People who've been delivered from much are grateful for much. And this guy was a classic example. He'd been delivered so, from so much and he was grateful for so much. I was about seven or eight years old in kids' church one Sunday. We called it children's church back then. We were in kids' church one Sunday morning, and we acted this out, and I, got, I was chosen to be one of the lepers. And, uh, and, and, and I, as I recall, the, the teacher had even made up, a, 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 the leader rather, had made up a couple of slings, you know, like with gauze, and they put it on, and she wrapped, uh, she wrapped one around the knee, and, oh, this person has a really messed up face with leprosy. So, so I, remember, I, I remember this so well, seven or eight years old, um, and, 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 and we're coming, and man, we're playing it. I mean, we, our fingers are curled up, and we're walking there. We're right on the border between Galilee and Samaria, and I'm living it in my mind, and it's so powerful, and it's so... It was an Oscar-worthy performance. I mean, it was good. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And she had told us all what to do. I wanted to be the one who went back and thanked Jesus. I wanted to be, I'm, I'm like, pick me. <laughs> I was born for this part. <laughs> but my friend Lyndon got the part. The fact that his grandfather had been pastor really had, did not weigh into it at all. <laughs> he was good, but he wasn't as good as me. He got the part. It still hurts. It still hurts. All these years later. So Lyndon did his thing, and he played it up, and he fell at Jesus' feet. And it was the, our leader. She, she played Jesus, and I can still picture Lyndon, his little blonde, beautiful hair, and he sits into Jesus' feet. The rest of us are just leaning against the back wall watching the story play out. The rest of us are just standing back watching the rest of the story play out. So Jesus said to the man, verse 17, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus says to the one who returned, Hey, one out of ten? Weren't all of you healed? Where, where are the 90%? He refers to this, this I love it how Jesus often made the Samaritan, the reject, the, the person others didn't like to be the hero. The healing was complete. 
the man's gratitude was expressed. But perhaps the best part of the story is the very next line. Verse 19, Jesus said this, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Again, look at it again. Verse 19, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That word well, your faith has made you well. That word well, sometimes some translations say whole. I I looked up the Greek word is sozo, which means to save. So we could read this, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. One came back, fell at the feet of Jesus, and he was saved. You see, this story, I I always thought that this was all about thanks, and that's an important element of this story. But there's so much more than that. For while 10 people saw Jesus that day, and for the rest of them, all of them would recall that encounter at a distance. But only one turned back. All of them. The other nine. They would remember for the rest of their lives. Oh, I remember seeing Jesus at a distance How far away were you? Oh, I don't know. Maybe 16, 18 feet. What was he wearing? Oh, I remember exactly. And they would describe. What was the day like? Oh, it was a beautiful day. Oh, well, how did it feel like? They remembered. They encountered Jesus at a distance. All 10 of them did, but only one turned back. That day, 10 people cried out for mercy from God. And all of them received mercy. Not one out of ten, all ten. One hundred percent received mercy. But only one is recorded of praising God. Ten people that day were healed. Their leprosy was gone, never to return. See, they didn't get to the priest and go, Oh, just a minute ago, I was healed, but now I've got leprosy again. It didn't come back. Jesus healed them for the rest of their life. They died of something else, but I don't, from leprosy, they didn't die from that. Ten of them were healed. Their leprosy gone, never to return, but only one came close to Jesus. Only one, only one of them that day had a face-to-face encounter with God that saved him. See, in this familiar story that we think is all about Thanksgiving, that's why this this text is probably preached more on Thanksgiving than any other. But there's more to the story than that. It's the story of a man who came back and instead of experiencing him at a distance, came close to Jesus. A man who not just received something from him, but was saved by him. One of my greatest concerns as a pastor one of my greatest concerns as a pastor is that too many people are content with experiencing Jesus only at a distance.
I believe in God. Yeah. Oh, I believe in Jesus. He's the Son of God. Yeah. Do you realize how many people only know about Him, but they don't even know that they can know Him? I mean, I'm talking in our world. They, they don't know that, that you can experience Jesus close up. But I'm concerned as a pastor, this is seriously, this is one of my greatest concerns, that I will be a pastor at this church for all of these years, but there will be people here week after week after week who experience Jesus only at a distance. And here's how you can tell how. One of, the, one of the identifying things. Tell me about your relationship with the Lord. And instead of talking about what happened in the last year or in the last week or in the last month, they tell you that I gave my heart to Jesus back in 19-something. They experience Him at a distance. I'm not saying that their lives weren't changed. I'm simply saying that there's more than that. My heart has been broken for people who just lean against the wall and watch someone else get close to Jesus. Like I did with the other eight healed lepers. Just stood back and watched someone else get close to Jesus. How many people, how many people listening to this message today observe other people get close to Jesus, but they continue to lean against the wall and say, well, that's obviously good for them, but it's not something that can happen to me. And I say, absolutely not. Every person here this morning, Jesus desires for you to come up close, to come up and become, become so closely intimate with him in relationship to talk face to face. This is why this is one of the most important messages in this series. Because he's not simply encountered at a distance, but close up. Not leaning against the wall, expecting someone else and observing someone else, but to experience him. How many people, how many people who gave their hearts to Jesus a long time ago and were transformed, but they don't know that I can talk to him as friend with friend. That I can sense his Holy Spirit more real than the things that we can touch around us. That his presence can be so powerful because we're close up. I am deeply burdened when people are satisfied with receiving comfort or strength or even healing from him, but who are not yet saved by him. Oh, I, I go to church because I want God's blessing. Well, those people were blessed at a distance. But only one was saved. Rise up. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. There's no person who is here today on site or listening online 
or even at another date listening to this message that is there by accident. But I have to believe, and I believe with everything in me, that if God put it on my heart to preach it, then there is someone who, as I've been sharing this, the Holy Spirit has said to you, you're worshiping me from a distance. You're, you're leaning against the wall, observing someone else get close. Now it's your turn. You come close to me. The Bible, on several occasions, says draw close to God and he will draw close to you. See, how, do, how does that happen? It always starts with repentance. It always starts with saying, oh God, I come to you. In these final moments of this message, this very important message, not because I'm preaching, but because it's a part of God's word. In this very important message, I want to give you the opportunity for a response. I'd like you to please, if you would, everyone, bow your head. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're watching online, bow your head. You're listening to this message a week from now, bow your head. Lord, in these places, I believe your Holy Spirit has spoken and you're drawing us closer to you. You say, come up close. Don't just experience me from a distance. That's what you're saying, Lord. Don't, don't, don't just... I, I want you right here at my feet. And so, Lord, we come and we, with our hearts and our minds, we bow at your feet. And Lord, if there is any person, in, in fact, I just want you to, right now, just in your own words, I'm not going to give you words to say, but in your own words, very just, just quietly to yourself, just pray this to him. Just, just, just say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. Just tell him right now. Tell him the longing of your heart that you want to be close up, not distant, that you want to experience that closeness with you that friend-to-friend, person-to-person encounter. Lord, maybe somebody's listening, and I pray that even right where they are, in this holy moment, they would, they would say, Lord, I, I fall at your feet. You, you've, you've done so much in my life, but I want, I want to be close to you, closer than I've ever been. I've been following you at a distance for too long. I've been... I've been leaning against the wall watching someone else experience you. Lord, I want to know you. If there's anyone with your heads bowed, continued please here in this room. The camera's not on you. Nobody's watching you. But is there anyone here in this room, right here at this address, is there anyone here that would say, just lift up your hand and say, yeah, that's what I want. I want that closeness. Is there anyone here? You may have given your heart, but I, I want that closeness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. In back, thank you, thank you, in back. If, if, if that's what your desire online, 
there's a place there where you can connect with us. Would you, would you please do that as well? We're, we're, we don't know when Jesus is going to return and we don't know when this life is over. But when this life ends or when he returns, I don't want to be experiencing him at a distance. I want to be right at his feet. Think of that. From his feet to his presence. That's what I want. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me across this, this room? I want to, again, at the close of this service, if there's some needs that you have, I want you to bring them to these altars. You can pray. There. If you'd like someone else to pray with you, there will be someone else here as well. But uh, uh, we, we, we want to give you the opportunity for a response. I'm so very grateful for what God is doing. There's someone you know, by the way. In fact, there's a lot of someones you know who know about him, but they're only experiencing him from a distance. And you are called, I am called, every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are called to bring those who are far out close in. To bring those who don't even know that Jesus is a healer, a savior, a deliverer, to present the gospel to them. We have a holy obligation to do that. And I want you to be used of the Lord in the coming week. Let me pray for you. Then we're going to open up these altars. God bless you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing today. Thank you for what you're doing in the coming week. And I pray that we would be your ambassadors telling people that there is a God in heaven. His name is Jesus. He died for us and rose from the dead to give us new life and to give us a close, close-up relationship with him. Lord, this I pray for every person listening. I pray this for every person here today. Your favor upon us as we go your way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.